Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And there's some sad news. Ivana Trump, former President Trump's uh, ex-wife, has died at the age of 73. We wish uh, the Trump family our condolences. In other news, Republicans are demanding the release of January 6th surveillance and police body camera footage. The January 6th committee is saying that one of the Secret Service members has deleted texts and the Secret Service has denied deleting any texts that are related to January 6th. So that continues. Uh, Biden has admitted that he was given a list of reporters that he could take questions from at a joint news conference in Israel. And we're going to talk about Israel and his visit with the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, uh, Mayor David Rubin, uh, at the bottom of the hour. But before that, I want to talk to you about a few things. And uh, we discussed a little bit about Bidenflation and how the the new uh, indicator that they use today that was released today, the producer price index, the PPI, is at 11.3% skyrocketing in June. So there's a bunch of things I want to talk about, but I want to I share some thoughts because I think it's important that we we focus on the big picture sometimes. And for me, the big picture uh, includes some historical context and and really the big picture. So again, you're welcome to call in if you want. It's 866-505-4626, 866-50-JIMBO is the phone number. But I want to talk about America. And America was born from the ideas of the Enlightenment, God-given natural rights. And they're just that, rights given by God by our creator, not by the government. This isn't a principle or an opinion that we could just ignore because truly it's it's so foundational to the enterprise and the experiment known as the United States. Now, after 246 years, and we just celebrated America's birthday, you know, a week ago or 10 days ago, we know that this experiment is exceptional, but it only works if virtue is woven into the fabric of everything that we do, both collectively and I would say like individually as well, it has to be a, uh, you know, hand in glove kind of thing. Now, of course, we can't force the compliance of virtue on anybody. That would be a utopian fantasy. And I'm sure some people would like that. But we can take heed to the warnings of the framers, the founders of this great nation. And they, they did warn that this would only work if we were virtuous people. Now, this, for them, this virtue was was ensured by a reliance on God for providence, for protection, for peace. Lamentably, ideas that 
counter that and counter the idea of American exceptionalism. They rely on godlessness and immorality. That's the virtue of those movements. And you can think of so many, you know, whether it's these violent uprisings that we're having uh, versus the Supreme Court people or or anything we've seen. You know, we're going to protest in the name of this, but we're going to bomb something, firebomb something in arson and all of these um, very violent types of protests that are totally devoid of virtue. That leftist movement, that left wing movement is, in my opinion, virtueless. And it, it doesn't contribute to the fabric of the United States, as I think is the founders intended. Now, some would argue that the founders can have whatever plan they want to have. But it's up to us to, to do what we think is right in an evolving world. And, and that's a conversation we could have. But I believe it's true that this unmooring of our society starts with attacking that which makes it strong and cohesive to begin with. For example, the family. Or the rights of the individual to worship, to have free speech, to, to have that right to life and, and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And, of course, the protection of one's life and, and your, your possessions, an extension of your life. And James Madison wrote about that. And it was very interesting, the, the writings of Madison. But we're here today and we're struggling to maintain this beautiful simplicity of just being a virtuous people in a virtuous society. Inflation's out of control, yet everyone in Washington understands that the basic causes of inflation are printing money and spending it. And they've done nothing to avoid it. In fact, they caused it. Printing more money, more government programs, more government spending, and devaluing our currency because they're putting more money into the economy that, than we actually can afford to put into the economy. This, this is a big problem, and it's going to cost us way more in the long run, and we're starting to see that. But it's also about declaring war on fossil fuels, you know, shutting down pipelines, uh, closing ANWR, the oil field, stopping drilling and stopping leases on federal property. This has caused the price of everything to go up because almost everything requires fossil fuel, including electricity. So when you have these huge spending bills, tax dollars that are, are being used, you know, like we saw last year to extort American business owners by raising wages. Now, again, wages should be raised not by the government saying that you should, but by the market dictating it. You know, when it's a, it's just like if there's a seller's market or a buyer's market or, uh, you know, the same thing with the employee's market or an employer's market. It's supply and demand. And when we, we go outside of the free market and the invisible hand, as Adam Smith wrote about, that's when we encounter real problems because it's rigged in many ways. <clears throat> Excuse me to borrow the term from El Trompito. I like to call him El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, because it's literally putting your thumb on the scale. And this doesn't work, right? So if you start paying people exorbitant numbers of unemployment to stay home, then what? They're going to stay home. So in effect, now you're depressing your own market. And we saw that happen. And again, we're paying the price for that now. And we're going to continue to pay uh, the price for that, I think, for, for a little bit, because this paying people to stay home, even though they're not anymore, many of them are looking for jobs, or maybe they're just still coasting on the money that they've saved up, because this was like a big government wealth transfer, if you will. It's going to run out. And when it runs out, we're going to be in trouble. And, and we're starting to see that trouble and it's trickling in. And I think that trouble is going to continue. 
And this isn't going to cause prices to go down. It's going to cause prices to go up because that's just how that works. So we have to look at, you know, those in politics who have a uh, progressive perspective and look at their flawed progressive perspective for what it's worth and try to figure out how do we make sense of this? How do we use actual rationale and avoid their arguments that, in my opinion, are chock full of false equivalencies and syllogisms. And there's a a tweet that I saw that's filled with those things, right, with syllogisms and and false equivalencies. And uh, I want to share it with you. And we're going to do that straight ahead along with your calls. So there's more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. We're just getting started. Let us go to Ethan in Ohio. Ethan, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, how's it going? Wonderful, thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. I wanted to talk to you about the possible negatives of having religion in people's lives. Because while I agree religion is an overall positive with a lot of people's lives, when there comes to a point where there's more than one religion, then that turns into a more of a negative. Well, I mean, I would just disagree with that on its face and saying it's like saying... That's, you know, let's talk about the negatives of living a healthy lifestyle. I mean, I'm sure we could find something negative about living our lives healthy, eating healthy, being healthy, exercising. But by and large, it's good for you to be healthy. And I think by and large, if you choose to engage in in a faith, then that's good for you. I agree. But when there's more than one and people are trying to push theirs on others, that's where it becomes a little rocky. And that's where the duality aspect of how religion works come in. Well, let me ask you this, because you're throwing a lot at me, and I want to make sure I get everything the right way. So you're saying that if I go to the ice cream shop, and there's chocolate, and there's strawberry, and there's vanilla, and there's mint chocolate chip, that having more than one flavor is a problem? In, in certain circumstances, yes. Uh, what, what is in the, all, in all the problem? When you're deeply involved in one of those flavors and someone keeps pushing you to completely adopt another and push out the one you're deeply involved in. Yeah, so you're saying that people no longer have agency or or the ability to say, oh, you know what, I really like mine, but thanks, thanks, but no thanks? The problem is, is when people stick around or maybe force you to convert. Well, I, I got to tell you, in my life, I've been alive for 44 years, Nobody's ever forced me to convert. Nobody's ever. I've met a million Jehovah's Witnesses trying to give me pamphlets. I've met Mormons. I've met tons of people. And it's always been, you know, here's a pamphlet. Listen to this. You come to my church. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Five calls, six calls, seven calls. And I say, hey, listen, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I actually have my own church. I do my own thing. I really appreciate it and whatever. And it's never happened to me where I've had to tell somebody, listen, if you call me again, I'm going to sue you. If you call me again, you're going to swallow your own teeth. It's, it's just never happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's never happened to you, but we live in a peaceful time. So is so, this happening to you? Great, great. Is, is, that, is this a cry for help because someone is trying to recruit you for their religion? No, it has not, thankfully. But so the where, what is, is the, the, the premise of your question, or I guess where is it coming from? What are you basing it on? Coming, it's coming from, based on past history, that the Catholic Church has had with their... Catholic conversion of the world. So you have a problem with history and, and, and Catholics? I, in, in general, yes, I do. For the sole reason that they 
completely shut out entire other religions of the world. They're, they're the one that totally destroyed the pantheon's religions of Greece. A lot of those sacred shrines that the Greek people had were mm-hmm. desecrated by the Catholic, Catholic religion. Yeah, well, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But in, in theory, I mean, one could take exception to, to the way things worked out and say, you know, it was really messed up that we had the Crusades. It was really not cool that this happened or that happened or that these people were killing each other in the name of God and whatnot. Uh, and I get that. And I would say the same thing. That's not cool when, when people are crashing planes in the name of Allah or, or any other religion. You know, I'm not making a, a case against one religion or another. I'm just saying religious extremism is a bad thing. We see it in the Middle East. We've seen it in, in a bunch of different places. So uh, we see it in Africa quite often. There's a lot of Christians that are killed there. So if, if the comment is, you know, religious extremism is bad and it can cause wars and when people prostitute their religion or want to commit atrocities and evil in the name of a religion, whether it's because they've been radicalized or they're just doing it because they know that they could recruit more people if they galvanize them based on something we all agree on, uh, even Hitler, right? You know, Hitler's mantra, God, family, country, uh, which is a mantra a lot of Americans uh, – hold on to today the difference was hitler was god family country and if you're not part of uh you know my country and if you're not part of uh what i believe god says we should look like then you know you get the oven and i think this is where we run into these problems so i agree with you in in the sense that religious extremism is bad and and perverting one's religion to promote their own ideology of violence is, is horrible but i don't think that these are uh pervasive or pernicious problems in america today Who's to say they won't be in the future, though? And that's why I think it should be brought up more often. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess what's your bottom line on that? How do you fix it? My bottom line is extremism. You need to know or you need to have someone to tell you when, hey, this has gone too far. And that someone needs to be completely neutral. And it doesn't mean or or part of your own religion. But the problem is you need someone to tell you when to stop. So help me understand that one, because uh, I'm I'm just not following. So are you saying the government? Are you saying uh, we should appoint uh, like an interfaith council, uh, some sort of uh, who would be this this neutral person that steps into what and says to whom enough is enough? How would that work in your world? I actually haven't thought about that. I can tell you haven't thought about it (laughs) because it's a pretty crazy idea. You know, it would be like we get the pope, we get a. you know, the, the highest imam we could find. Uh, and that's just thinking of the biggest religions we could find. But what about uh, smaller religions that, you know, for like aboriginal people or people that, you know, live in the Amazon that have been, you know, doing ayahuasca for the last 500 years. And this is their religion. And there's only like a thousand people in their tribe, but they've lived and they've reproduced. It's This is a huge thing. This is why liberty, what I promote and what I believe in, is that everybody gets to do their own thing. And if and now to bring in like Americanism and the Second Amendment and all that, this is how you protect yourself and your family. You say, hey, look, you know, I don't want to be a part of your thing, but thank you very much. Have a good day. An armed society is a polite society. When you know, when you've got a nine millimeter on your hip and somebody's like, no, but you got to come to my thing because you know what you're doing is wrong and you're going to go to hell and you and, and you say, hey, listen, you know what? I really appreciate it. And they know that you're armed and they're armed and everybody's armed. Guess what? A lot less fights break out and people are a lot more calm. It's when people have an advantage 
with a weapon where they can say, oh, you know what? I've got a firearm and you don't. So now I have some sort of advantage. This is why people get robbed. This is why crime is higher in all the places that have the highest gun control. So uh, not to conflate, you know, one issue with the other. I'm just making the case. I think it's so important for us to go back to what I started out with, which is having that virtue and realizing that liberty is a God-given virtue. It's not something that the government allows us to have. It's something that we have that's been given by God so that we are free to choose and do what we want. Because if we're not free to choose what we want, then we're in trouble, right? I hope that makes sense. I agree. Yeah, thank you, brother. I appreciate your call. We're going to get to the rest of your call straight ahead. It's live radio, and uh, in in live radio, we have to take commercial breaks, (laughs) which are great because it makes radio free for you and the rest of us. And Mayor David Rubin is joining us. He's the mayor of Shiloh, Israel. We're going to talk about Biden's visit and more. So don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, Philly, everybody listening to the show right now. Joe Biden is visiting Israel and Saudi Arabia in his Middle East trip. And our guest is Mayor David Rubin from Shiloh, Israel. Mayor Rubin, welcome. Well, thank you, Rich. Good to be with you. Thank you, sir. Now, I'm told on good authority that the term is Boker Tov. Did I say it right? Uh, yes, but uh, most people <laughs> don't know how to say it. It's, uh, <laughs> and don't know what it means. So I grew up in Brooklyn. Language. Uh, well, not everyone in Brooklyn knows how to say good morning in Hebrew. Well, welcome. Thank you, sir, for being with us. I appreciate it. So, obviously, uh, you know, um, you are... Our resident expert right now on what's going on, having uh, been boots on the ground and you know exactly what the story is, I want to play a clip of audio for you from President Biden's visit uh, to uh, Jerusalem today where he's talking about Iran acquiring a nuclear weapon. Listen to this. With regard to Iran and convincing 
the Saudis and others that we mean what we say is we mean what we say. They have an opportunity to accept this agreement's been laid down. If they don't, we made it absolutely clear. We will not, let me say it again, we will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. All right, so Biden says pretty unequivocally here, we will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. Now, I wish I, I had all the faith in the world in in Biden's word. I don't necessarily have all the faith in the world, but I'd like to know what your reaction to hearing that statement is. Well, we've heard, we've heard that before, Rich. Mm-hmm. It's not the first time uh, that this, this pledge not to allow Iran to get a nuclear weapon has been mentioned by every American leader, by every Israeli leader, and unfortunately, we we Jews have learned from our history, or shall I say, we Israelis, because there are many many Jews, especially in America, who have not learned from the history. Mm. Uh, but but we we have learned from our history that. But we we can only rely on 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 God and on ourselves, and uh, and that that's the combination of the of that two of those two, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's it. You know, it it's it's very nice. You know that Biden is making those statements, uh, but his actions speak otherwise. You know, he's making the, the public statements, but uh, in. In private, he's having those meetings with with the Iranian leadership. Uh, he's uh, he, he hasn't uh, allowed Israel uh, up up to this point uh, to uh, to have access to uh, the bunker busting bombs that that the United States uh, military has uh, that uh, Israel has requested. You know, we we can handle our enemies by ourselves. Uh, but we just need the, the political backing and, and the passive military backing in this case. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying because I think it, this is one of those let's wait and see what happens types of things. Um, he, he went on to say that they've laid out for the people, for the leadership of Iran, what they're willing to accept to get back into the JCPOA, and he's waiting for a response and when that comes, he's not certain. He's saying that they're not going to wait forever on Iran's response. Now, I'm thinking, if I'm Iran, what do I care how long you wait? I'm going to do what I want to do anyway, right? Or am I wrong? No, you're, you're right. You are right. And not, not only that, um, it, they prefer to wait. They prefer that, that, that Biden waits. They prefer that Israel waits. Uh, they they prefer that all of their enemies um, will will wait and bide their time um, because they meanwhile they are moving ahead with their enrichment program of their nuclear uh, facilities and and this this is happening under under Biden's watch and you know I don't know if he notices it I don't, I don't know if he even realizes. Yeah, it's a shame. Now, I have another quick clip of audio that I want to play for you because uh, it's kind of building up to a story. He makes a statement here uh, saying that diplomacy is the best way to confront Iran. And then Prime Minister um, Lapid 
responds to him. <laughs> and I think it's a great response because I think there's, there's the rhetoric and then there's the reality. Listen to this. Today, you and I also discussed America's commitment to ensuring Iran never obtains a nuclear weapon. This is a vital security interest to both Israel and the United States, and I would add, for the rest of the world as well. I continue to believe that diplomacy is the best way to achieve this outcome, and we'll continue to work with Israel to counter other threats from Iran throughout the region, including support for terrorism, ballistic missile program that continues, and the proliferation of weapons to terrorists and proxies like Hezbollah. All right. So again, Biden is saying, uh, in my opinion, I think he's saying all the right things. First time I'm hearing him say these things. Um, but, you know, he's a professional politician and I don't know how much he can be trusted. Your thoughts? Well, uh, diplomacy, <laughs> diplomacy is not the best way uh, to respond to an evil uh, rogue regime. Uh, diplomacy just doesn't do it. You know, it's a, it, in, a, in a dream world and you know, and if if we were still, you know, in the the '60s with flower power and you know all of this <laughs> nonsense, uh, then then maybe it would be different. But we're talking about uh, Islamic extremists in Iran, and and as I as I said just just yesterday on the you know on Cavuto on Fox. Uh, there, there is no, there is no way that you can counter an evil regime that is threatening nuclear bombs over your cities without a military response. <clears throat> and I, I, I wish it didn't have to be that way, but that is the reality. That is the only way uh, that the Iran nuclear program at this point. Uh, which at this advanced stage, it's the only way they're going to be stopped. And and if the United States doesn't do it, then uh, then Israel's going to have to do it. And mm-hmm. there isn't one Israeli that doesn't know that. 100% agreed. Folks, we're on with Mayor David Rubin. He's the author of the book, Confronting Radicals, What America Can Learn from Israel. Check it out on Amazon. Uh, it looks like a great book. I'm going to pick up a copy. Oh, sure. Confronting Radicals. Um, I mean, I've written seven seven books, but Confronting Radicals, What America Can Learn from Israel is the latest. And, uh, yeah, it's it's exactly what it says. You know, we're, we're, we're the, the uh, not just Israel, not just the United States, but Judeo-Christian civilization as a whole is being confronted uh, by... Uh, a group of of radicals of the, the radical left, a radical secular left, I might add, and they are seeking to overthrow uh, not just Israel and not just America, but but Judeo-Christian civilization. They are doing it uh, quietly through the educational system, through the the justice system, uh, uh, through the media on many fronts. And remarkably, the radical left in America uses the exact same tactics as the Palestinian radicals uh, that are confronting Israel all the time. And, and uh, the radical left 
uh, is confronting Israel all the time as well. They have their their philosophy of intersectionality, mm-hmm. uh, which 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 says that they they will use any topic, whether it's abortion, or or gay marriage, or or um, uh, the the. The, the whole Black Lives Matter movement, right. they will use whatever they can for their strategy of aggressively seeking to overthrow the free world. And they're doing it as we speak. Well, David Rubin, mayor of Shiloh, Israel, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to hear your insight. Thank you for joining us. This is America. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative Talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Of course, I want to thank you guys always for downloading and subscribing to the podcast. This is America with Rich Valdez. You can get that anywhere at odyssey.com, on iHeartRadio, on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click that little subscribe so that you get notified when we have new episodes. And uh, earlier this week, or just toward the end of last week, there was this uh, a lot of talk about the Wisconsin Supreme Court case that ruled on ballot drop boxes. And this was a very big thing because I think a lot of people didn't put enough thought into it or not everybody knew the controversy that surrounded this entire thing. But it was creating conditions that were really ripe for, I'm going to say, irregularities, fraud, um, ballot harvesting, you know, the process of somebody collecting other people's ballots and dropping them off. And, and this just opens the door for n- numerous uh, um acts of malfeasance or potential acts of malfeasance. And it's, you know, in my opinion, not a great idea. I never, ever, up until the 2020 election, I had never put my vote into a ballot box. Uh, Because, you know, back in the 1800s, they were ballot stuffing, and I've read history. So I thought, man, not a good idea. But I did it because that was the way they were doing it where where I voted. And there's a big case on that. So who do we go to? None other than Ken Cuccinelli. Now, you guys, those who follow me, you've seen videos. I did a really good panel on immigration with Cuccinelli when he was Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security in the Trump administration at CPAC a couple of years ago. Uh, And now he's the chairman of Election Transparency, excuse me, Transparency Initiative. I knew I was going to mess that up, (laughs) but I want to welcome Ken Cuccinelli. Ken, welcome to the program. Good to be with you. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about this case. Give us the background first. Who brought the case? Why was the case brought? What were you trying to fix? So the case arose out of the explosion in 2020 of these unsupervised drop boxes that were particularly aggressively used in Wisconsin in the same places where Zuckerbucks were deployed, Mm -hmm. coincidentally, presumably not coincidentally. Um, And... um, like I said, they're unsupervised, they're invitations for fraud, and they nakedly violate Wisconsin law. I mean, the Supreme Court ruling quoted its own statutes, meaning Wisconsin's, and and it was very clear. Voter must bring in their own ballot into the clerk to deliver it to the clerk. So 
Um, I mean, you could have a Dropbox inside a clerk's office, but then why have the Dropbox? You're already at right. the clerk. You might as well hand it to the clerk. It also makes clear that only one person can deliver, a person can only deliver their own ballot, which eliminates ballot trafficking, which is an enormous opportunity for not only fraud, but intimidation of voters. Um, and um, it also brings money into play, paid operatives uh, performing these functions instead of voters. So this is really a sweeping cleanup uh, win. And um, it isn't just these clerks who are using these. Wisconsin has a a body established in 2016 called the Wisconsin Election Commission, which was giving guidance during 2020 because of COVID um, about uh, to their clerks saying, you can do this. And um, it was bipartisan. There were a couple of Republicans on there in addition to the Democrats. And the Supreme Court said there is literally no legal basis for them to have given that COVID or no COVID that given that advice. So they were in violation of the law as well. And one of the big problems in 2020 was people in states, meaning government officials, not obeying their own laws. And, you know, I was an attorney general for Virginia. I was a state senator before that. You don't pass laws to say, obey the last law we passed. You expect them to be passed. That's the point of having them in the first place. And it was that lawlessness in 2020 that really undermined voters' confidence in uh, these elections in states all over the country. It's great to see this fixed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think it's also uh, it's an understatement in many in many situations where people just uh, to to dismiss this out of hand, I think some people think, oh, but what are you really fixing? I think this was a very big problem because I think you're right. I, I've spoken with a number of people that feel so um, disenfranchised in many ways that they're like, ah, I'm not going to vote. It's not going to count. You know, wh- why do this whole ballot thing? They're going to change it anyway. Like, people are so, so apathetic towards voting. And and that's doesn't matter what party you're with. Obviously, this is very bad for for a a constitutional republic like ours that uses a democratic election as our tool for selecting leaders. Yeah. So a couple of things. First of all, I lead the Election Transparency Initiative, and we are not named that by accident. Um, we believe our our measure of success is that the losing side can have confidence in the outcome of an election. And um, look, I'm also an attorney. Obviously, I said I was attorney general. The analogy in court is if you lose your case but feel like you were treated fairly by the judge. And, um, and that's a good judge. And in an election, that's a good election system. And uh, nobody expects them to be perfect. Um, but when we have broad-scale um, changing of the rules in the middle of the game. I mean, ask a two-year-old if that's a problem. I mean, right. they'll tell you. You don't need to be an adult to know that. It's also, you know, a big part of why America relies so heavily on due process. The fairness of the process is important, not just in achieving the outcome, but in believing in the outcome. And it's that confidence in the outcome that is our measure of success and um when you when you have this kind of abuse so broadly and we're focusing on wisconsin at the moment but similar problems arose in other states um seeing it fixed is a real i think a real salve and it it's that confidence 
in the election does matter. And I'll point you to a real life example. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody hears about January 6th, blah, blah, blah. But January 5th of 2021, there were two runoff elections for the U.S. Senate held in Georgia. These were the um, Kelly Loeffler and and, Mm -hmm. and Senator Perdue's seats. And, of course, they were won by Ossoff, Democrats Ossoff and Warnock. And um, we now know that there was one simple explanation for why those two candidates lost. And that is that um, literally over 200,000 voters stayed home because they believed the rhetoric that their vote wouldn't matter, literally wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. So to your point about how important it is to encourage participation, part of how participation stays at good levels is that the people running the system do a good and transparent job when they make mistakes, they own up to them. And we have a sufficient transparency that citizens can see what's happening at literally every stage, except when the voters marking their ballot. That's what we need. Outstanding folks. We're on with Ken Cuccinelli. He's a former deputy secretary of Homeland Security during the Trump years, as well as former attorney general in Virginia. He's the chairman of the election transparency initiative and Since the 2020 election, Republicans have argued that drop boxes welcome ballot harvesting. On the other hand, the Wisconsin Supreme Court today did not address whether anybody other than the voter can return their ballot by mail, meaning anybody could still collect multiple ballots and put them in the mail rather than using a drop box. All right. That's a quick report from Newsmax TV. Bob Sellers is the anchor there. Our guest is Ken Cuccinelli, former Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, the former Attorney General of Virginia, and the current Chairman of the Election Transparency Initiative. And your calls, let us go to Texas. This is the wonder of talk radio, the wonder of dissent. Billy, welcome to the program. You're on with Rich Valdez and Ken Cuccinelli. Hello, how y'all doing? All I want to know, yes or no, did Mr. Trump get cheated out of the Election. Yes All or right. no? General, okay. go right ahead. I think there is definitely, I mean, the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court just ruled the use of drop boxes was cheating. But you don't really know how that affects the votes. I mean, we don't have a vote count for a, a Biden versus Trump in drop boxes count in Wisconsin separate from another. Um, and, and, you know, some of these cities in Wisconsin, the Democrat cities, we're at the very heart of the Zuckerbucks controversy, too. So, um, you know, they weren't just doing just doing this. They were also taking private money and basically getting paid uh, to do Democrat Party voter turnout. Um, I think the Zuckerbucks alone changed the outcome of the race without any of the other problems. I think the Capital Research Center has shown that effectively. And, um, you know, it's uh, I don't know what to tell you at this point. It's behind us now. And we've got we're closing in on half the states um, banning Zuckerbucks, including Pennsylvania just recently. Mm-hmm. And, and Pennsylvania has, did it on a bipartisan basis, just like Virginia and Kentucky did. This isn't just one sided. So, you know, the biggest problems are being addressed in a lot of states and obviously 
Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Kentucky, just to pick the ones where it was done on a bipartisan basis, those are big states. There's a lot of electoral votes in those three states. So we're making real progress, but there's so many pieces to a good election. It takes a long time to fix the kind of sort of tidal wave of problems that showed up in 2020. Yeah, thank you, Billy. And you know, General, what's interesting as well is the uh, you mentioned Pennsylvania, and in addition to that, there was there was other problems that arose from Pennsylvania that I think are going to be fixed when they get rid of this Act seventy seven, or they've gotten rid of this Act seventy seven, which uh, which I think will help. But it, it's fascinating to me, what, you know, being a non lawyer, and you know, you just think it's a regular election until it's twenty twenty, and you have all these COVID regulations, and you see how right. how they kind of just start usurping just state constitutions go out the window. They begin to yeah. um, just say, hey, you know what, let's just go to the state supreme court, forget forget the legislature. And, you know, and I think that most people, the laymen, even though you've studied, you know, civics and you understand social studies and how it's supposed to work, people are like, yeah, it went to court. Sounds good. You know, or they, they didn't take the cases or what most people say is uh, they rejected or Trump lost all his cases. I mean, I don't think they took any of those cases. So it was just so interesting to see the way this was painted. And I think that's why so many people are jaded when it comes to this. Yeah, no, no question. And, and again, that goes back to what we our measure of success is confidence in the outcome, especially by the losing side. And um, um, the, the the left, you know, you've heard the name Mark Elias. I mean, he's been sanctioned in court. He's he's mm-hmm. been <laughs> castigated um, even by other people on the left. And yet he's sort of the poster boy for their strategy of just litigate these things to death. They want it to be mm-hmm. muddy. They want it to be unclear. And they'd like to get it within what is, um, uh, sort of acidly joked about in the consultant community as within the margin of litigation. Um, now I will say on the right, there are a lot of, um, resources growing to play catch up, but, but we're like 15 or 20 years behind in the process side. I'll tell you one thing that worked really well last year. I'm in Virginia. Uh, you saw the Virginia sweep in 2021. Yeah. Um, Glenn Youngkin uh, making more news these days, but um, the, we won all three statewide offices. And a big part of the election security piece wasn't changing the law because the Democrats controlled it. And in the two years prior, they'd made something like 60 law changes that wow. really opened things up a lot more. But you know what did a great job for Virginia that people listening everywhere to you and me can do? And that is that literally three or 4,000 Virginians stepped forward, got trained as election officials, not to work in campaigns, not just poll watchers, which the campaigns do need, but literally to go inside and to run the polling places, including, by the way, the early voting, and to help count the mail ballots and to process the mail ballots, to go be on the inside. And all they're asked to do is be honest, be competent, and be eyes and ears. And the Democrats in Virginia, which is not, we lean left now because of the growth of the federal government, but not overwhelmingly, but Democrats outnumber Republicans inside these polling places, something like two to one. Mm -hmm. They've been working on this for 15 or 20 years, and we have to play catch up. In Virginia, the biggest violation of law that we saw in 2021 being done again by a state official by the registrar of our biggest county, Fairfax County, where a million people live and and uh, vote, 
they were illegally sending out absentee ballots without the voter ID requirement associated with it. And that was caught by one of these new uh, participants who had never been an election official before. She blew the whistle, blew it sky high. We found a few other localities, not nearly as big as Fairfax, doing it as well. It works. It works. And uh, it worked for Virginia. We're helping at the Election Transparency Initiative advance this in many other states. I've gone to other states and spoken about it. And, um, you know, you can do this where you live, wherever you're listening. They take citizens in to run the elections, and you can go be part of that, and you should. If you think this is a problem, if you're concerned about it, do your duty as a citizen. Don't just vote, but help secure the vote and run the election yourself. All right, folks, that's Ken Cuccinelli. Thank you, General. We appreciate it. There is more to come straight ahead right here on 1210 WPHT. Don't move a muscle. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, we got the wrap-up here. I want to thank you again for tuning in because without you, we have no show. Big shout-out to everybody listening on 1210 WPHT. And honestly, everybody listening across America, I see the audience continues to grow on the podcast. I can see lots of people tuning in from Florida, from California, from Texas. So I want to thank you for that. Of course, New York, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, where we started out, and that's the uh, immediate tri-state East Coast area. So thank you for that. Always a pleasure. Uh, don't have a lot of time, but I always want to encourage you guys to stand for something, because if you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for you to sit there and do nothing. But I also want to remind you to get involved. Don't lose heart. Because as you could see, people are doing what's right with respect to uh, fixing elections and fighting as best that they can to make sure that we have a secure and safe election. Those types of initiatives are the things we need to support and get involved in. And we got to hope for the best with Biden, right? Joe El Baboso Biden. Anyway, hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.